Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today's birth story is with Julia Saborin. After her first birth, Julia experienced undiagnosed postpartum depression along with major breastfeeding struggles. Second time around, she was dreading her baby's arrival rather than excitedly awaiting it. So she did something about it. Julia shares how proactively preparing for all possibilities allowed her to be fully present during those first few weeks and enjoy the time with her newborn. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Megan Othling, a fabulous birth doula and childbirth educator in Albuquerque who is all about offering women the information and support they need to make their own empowered birth choices. Learn more at womanofvalorbirth.com. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Green Chef, a USDA-certified organic company that includes everything you need to cook delicious meals that you can feel good about. For $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. Thank you again for all the love you give the show. And if you like what you hear, do remember to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. To best support this podcast, support its sponsors, who in today's case are Megan Othling, Green Chef, and Expectful. Now, here's an unusual request for you. If you know of someone who had a baby on the day of the last presidential election in the U.S., that would be November 8th. 2016th, or you yourself had a baby that day and would be interested in contributing to an article on the topic, then send me an email at info at birthful.com with election day baby on the subject line. I have a professor friend who had a son on that day. She's also a doula client. Um, and she's looking for other families with the same experience for an article she's writing about babies and voting days. So if you're interested, if this sounds like something that piques your curiosity, do it. Send me a message. She would really appreciate it. Also, very quick reminder that if you are around 29 to 34 weeks or near that, now is the perfect time for you to start preparing for life with your newborn, including the whopper of an identity change that you're going to undergo yourself. So let's get you postpartum ready. Go to birthfulcourses.com and sign up for my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation course. Do it now before baby arrives. Birthfulcourses.com. All right. My guest today is Julia Saborin, who will be sharing her two drastically different postpartum experiences. So let's get right to it. Welcome, Julia. So, so happy to have you here on the show today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm such a fan. Yay. I love that. Um, and I love the give and take, right? That you come on the show and tell us your story and other people listen to it and it snowballs. Yes, definitely. I've loved hearing everyone's stories. Mm. And today we're going to be talking, I, I love that you you wanted to share your postpartum stories, which I've been asking more for, um, because that's something we don't really get to hear much. Yes, definitely. I think um, postpartum is so important, and you obviously talk about it all the time with your postpartum plans, and my postpartum did not go as I ever saw it going. So I just like hearing other stories of women who maybe it was like a surprise, a little bit of a struggle because it definitely, I think, helps me feel a little better about everything that happened. 
Absolutely. And normalizing the, pro- the, the experience, I think, is a huge part of this because it's not all unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> Definitely. And I, you know, I think we usually hear the really happy stories and not many people talk about how it was just for me, at least absolutely not at all fun or enjoyable because that's not something usually people share. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into that. Not so happy. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah us, let's start. Let's do it. So tell us a little bit about yourself before, you know, who are you first? Okay. I um, and I'm an elementary and um, middle school teacher. I do small group intervention. Um, and I have two children, Alexandra, who goes by Alex. She is almost three. And Charlotte, who goes by Charlie, and she is three months. And I have a husband, Ryan, and a dog, Shadow. Yay, the whole family. Yeah, yes, yes. Yes. The dog is a, a key part. So let's take you back to when you gave birth with Alex and actually let's go back a little bit more because the birth tends to also color the postpartum yeah so if you want to yeah briefly tell us about her birth sure so uh I was 41 and or no I was 40 and 6 when I had I delivered with midwives um in a hospital so I had gone to my midwifery appointment and they stripped my membranes we also scheduled an induction for um just shy of 42 weeks but um the membrane strip worked and I went into early labor that night um, and I didn't end up going into active later until later the next day around 5 p.m. And once things got started, they really got started and she was born about four and a half hours later and pretty quick delivery, which was, I think, kind of a shock and, and did kind of affect um, things right after birth for me. I was just surprised that being pregnant one minute and not pregnant the next. Mm, and I think that's a great point because like, so there's officially there's three categories for birth. If you, what they teach in like medical school that you have, or, or to birth, to not all births, but to birth uh, variations, I guess. So you have like your standard birth and then you have, it's the three P's, which is precipitous, prodromal and posterior. Huh. Yeah. And so the precipitous basically means too fast the birth. And you a lot of people are like, oh, a fast birth. Wonderful. But it, it can be like a truck hit you and you don't know what happened. And suddenly there's a baby. There's like no time to process. Right. That's definitely, I felt like it went from zero to 60 and the contractions never stopped. Um, and unfortunately, she had to um, be taken right over to a pediatrician after delivery. So it really just felt like I came into the hospital and I gave birth. It was fast. Mm. So does that mean that there was some immediate separation? You didn't get to do immediate consent? There was. Um, everything was fine. There was meconium in the water, and she was um, really tightly cord-wrapped. So the midwife had to cut her cord while she was coming out, and they took her right over. Um, but I, I honestly, I don't have, like, very clear memories of really everything that happened after birth. But um, I, from what I understand, it was only a couple of minutes, and she was fine, and she was brought right back over, and everything was done in the room. Okay. So let's yeah. go that was like you know what the what happened so how did you feel with all this like what happened to you 
Right. Well, I think my story of just starting to feel really not like myself honestly starts right after she came out or maybe like right when she was handed to me. Um, I just kind of started feeling like, you know, I was like living someone else's story. And I think that feeling continued for like the next five or six months. I just, my husband was in the room. He was so excited to be a dad. Um, everybody, you know, I think labor and delivery nurses and my midwives, they're also positive and they're also excited for uh, me, but I kind of just didn't really feel anything. Um, and it just felt strange. Um, simultaneously while this was all going on, I ended up having, um, I ended up hemorrhaging, which, uh, later required two blood transfusions. So I, I, I hired a doula for my second birth and this kind of story comes along later, but, but I just remember saying to her, like, I felt like I was looking down. I don't really at this scene. I wasn't really a part of this scene. It was, it was really odd. And that might've been due to all the blood loss too, that was happening. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That that puts a definite twist on it because you can't like meet your daughter when your life is to an extent in peril. Like you are losing blood. Your body is trying to solve that and a little bit maybe in shock. Right. And it was, you know, there are all these people in the room um, and they were counting gauze that they were putting in trying to stop the bleeding. It was just it was really hectic. And I think even for my husband caused a little PTSD <laughs> before our next birth because he was watching all this going down. And uh, he said it was really scary to watch, too. Mm. But and, um, yeah, two yes. transfusions is no not nothing They're like that's significant. Yeah, it was. And, um, but I have to say blood transfusions, that was like the best feeling ever because I was just so exhausted and I was lacking a lot of blood. So when I got the blood, it felt great. Okay. But, um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, after I, uh, I hemorrhaged, they kind of, um, solved everything. Um, and I stayed in the delivery room for a little bit, uh, because I just lost so much blood and I couldn't stand up. Um, and then, so she was born around midnight and I f- went to sleep. I asked the nurse if she could, you know, take our baby. And so she said she would hold her in the nursery. I was just really exhausted. I went to sleep. Um, and then I had asked the nurse, you know, when you go off, I want her back. I don't, I don't really trust anyone with her. And even though it was a baby friendly hospital and they don't have a nursery, I think everything I had gone through that they recognized I just needed to rest. I did try breastfeeding right, um, after she was born and she was having a hard time latching, but I mean, she was brand new. Uh, and I do remember saying to our nurse, I feel like she doesn't like me. I feel like every time she comes over to me, she cries. And the nurse tried to reassure me, but this kind of you know, hinted to this distorted state of mind that I went into after her birth. Yeah. Um, so tell us strange. Yeah. Tell, tell us more about that. Yeah. So I, like I said in the beginning, I just started feeling like I was living somebody else's life. Uh, like this was not my life. Um, I really wasn't happy in it. I didn't understand or I was like why we ever wanted to do this. And what's also really hard about feeling that way, I think, is um, 
everyone's really excited for you when you have a baby and they say really wonderful things and it's all obviously out of, you know, the, they, their best intentions. But I think when you're having postpartum depression, or at least I was starting to fall into that, it was really difficult. Um, everyone was saying, oh, you, you must love her so much. You must be so happy. And I wasn't. And that kind of made me feel even a little worse and really uncomfortable because I didn't, honestly, I, I didn't really like her. And <laughs> I was not really happy. And I had just gone through that whole traumatic experience. So I was feeling just not like myself physically. Um, so it was kind of a tough, a tough start. And that, I mean, that was all in the first few days, uh, when I was in the hospital, what added to the struggle was she was having a really hard time latching. Um, and I had, I wanted to exclusively breastfeed and I did end up exclusively breastfeeding. But, uh, when I came into the hospital, every labor room was full. And obviously when I delivered, then every recovery room was full and then the nurses were, I think running, um, they had tons of patients. I had requested to see the lactation consultant. I didn't get to see her for, um, over a day while I was in the hospital and that just started us, uh, us off on a kind of a path to difficult breastfeeding, which then also compounded the postpartum depression. Um, so when I was leaving the hospital, I left the hospital two days later. I delivered with midwives. I live in a really rural area. Um, the closest midwives were a little over an hour away. So even though I delivered that with them, they didn't really have any or know of any supports out near me for breastfeeding. But fortunately, I had gone to a um, prenatal class at uh, the local hospital near me. And I had the teacher of it was a lactation consultant for an organization called Berkshire Nursing Families. And they provide uh, 100% free breastfeeding support for anybody living in the county, which is pretty amazing. Um, they're, um, do you say IBLC? IBCLC, yeah. Yeah. So there's two women who are trained at that level, and then the other ones are all um, lactation consultants. So counselors. when I was, yeah, counselors. Yeah, okay. so I know when it's I was such a confusing difference, yeah. but yeah. But they're all trained. Um, And when I was leaving the hospital, they have a 24-hour hotline, um, and you can leave a message, and someone will call you right back. And I just – I left a message, uh, and somebody called me back, and I couldn't even talk. I was just – sobbing. Um, I was so overwhelmed. I, you know, my nipples were really hurting. I was really hurting and I just, I didn't know what to do. Um, and it's, you know, it's hard. I think for any new mom, even if you're feeling really great, leaving the hospital your first time, um, or going home from the birth center, your first time is difficult. Uh, so they reassured me, somebody um, who later became my really close uh, friend ended up coming over the next day, which was amazing. So she was there the next morning and started helping me with latching. Um, what ended up Alex's issue was she couldn't open her jaw enough to fully latch. It was really tight. She ended up doing cranial sacral therapy, which definitely helped. Um, but as a result of this issue, uh, my nipples became, um, everything started to break and it became really bloody. And once again, that just added to, you know, my mental state. I remember 
flock watching and I would latch her and it might everything. It was, it was worse than labor. It hurt worse than labor, everything. And I would watch the clock and it would, it was, took everything in me to get like 30 seconds of breastfeeding. And once, luckily I have oversupply. So she got a lot of milk in a really small amount of time. So I'd only have to feed her for like five or 10 minutes, but I would do it in 30 second intervals. And then I remember I would be done and I would look at the clock and I would just think, I have to do this two hours later. And that was around the clock. Um, I, every time I stopped breastfeeding, I would just look at it and say, oh, my God, I have to do this again. I don't know at that point why I didn't think of switching over to formula. Um, it almost didn't cross my mind. I have nothing against formula. I think I was just in this state where I, I couldn't think of any other options. Mm-hmm. This is what I was doing. And it's not that I was putting pressure on myself. I just I never even thought like, oh, I I could use formula. I don't have to do this. Um, Yeah. And sometimes you're so in it that it's hard to see the proverbial forest for the trees, right? You just like, and that sounds brutal. Like my heart goes out to you. I hear you. And I'm like, (laughs) I want to hug you (laughs) because that's so tough right there when you're like, all the things that you had going and then this breastfeeding thing. I mean, if you're clock watching, you are so in it that that's the only thing in front of you, like the next two hours. Yeah, it it was terrible. And I also, I still felt no connection to my baby. Um, I had no love for her in all truth. Um, and I think if any other mom is out there feeling like that right now, I think that happens. It happens to other moms who I've talked to and I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel connected to her at all. So I was making this huge sacrifice for this, this little thing who I knew I was supposed to feel a lot of love for. And it was supposed to be this kind of like unicorn and rainbows time. And, and it honestly was the worst, it was the worst time of my life. Mm. It really was. I, Uh, so yeah, I do want to, hear more of how like when you realize that you needed help what help like how did you get out from there because you it's been like you have another child since then right (laughs) what were we thinking (laughs) let's take a quick break we'll be right back great news mighty ones now birthful listeners can get a free month trial at expectful.com that's two more weeks of free meditation than before and if you've been meaning to try meditation then now is the perfect time for you to jump on this offer meditating is a great way to reset your nervous system and mindfully bring yourself back to calm and this is really important because if your nervous system spends more time in high alert and doesn't get to go back to baseline often then your body is in constant state of stress which is not healthy Meditating is a super easy way to make sure you break up those stress signals. The best part is that you don't have to sit for long hours to see the benefits. If you have five minutes, then you have time to meditate. And it becomes even easier when you use a meditation app like Expectful. I have tried other meditation apps and I really like how the Expectful one is designed to address your pregnant or new parent needs by focusing on whatever you need at that moment. Whether it's better sleep, connection with baby and partner, embracing your identity, lessening stress, dealing with uncertainty, Expectful makes it super easy for you. 
And I gotta say, I really enjoy the voice of the person who reads the meditations. Go to expectful.com slash birthful to sign up for a free four-week trial and check it out for yourself. Yep, that's a free full month to try it out. And don't forget to add the slash birthful so you can get that free full month. So that's expectful.com slash birthful. And we are back talking with Julia Saborin. Um, yeah, so you're in the thick of it, man. Like Definitely. Yes, I was totally in the thick of it. And uh, it really, seeing other happy people was worse than being alone. Um, like I said, everybody always makes these really wonderful, heartfelt comments, but it those comments honestly made me feel even worse. I hated seeing other people. I really just wanted to stay in my house. And I think my mom kind of sensed what was going on and she was really great. And my husband was good, but I, I was kind of in this like parallel universe. I don't think I was communicating my needs. So I felt like I wasn't being supported by anyone, but in reality, I, I think I was pushing everyone away. Um, like I remember one night I really struggled sleeping. I couldn't sleep at all. Um, which I've listened to your podcast before and I think is happens to other women with postpartum depression. The baby would go to sleep and I just couldn't sleep. Um, so my husband was going to sleep one night and I was like, oh, I'll just take care of her. You don't have to do anything. And he was like, I want to take care of her. You won't let me. Um, which I, looking back on it is true. You know, nobody could do anything right yet. I didn't want to be with her. It was, it was definitely a confusing time. Um, I also started having these like really strange, um, thoughts, definitely nothing like harming the baby, but it's really strange things would happen. I would be driving and I would like swear or I hit something, you know, I would have to like, sometimes I circled back like, Oh my gosh, did I, I was in this really strange state of mind. I would be walking down the stairs and I would just imagine myself falling with the baby. Um, so it was tough. It was, it was really tough. Mm, And intrusive thoughts are one of the things that that, you know, when when the checklist of, of symptoms of postpartum depression or postpartum mood disorders, really, like intrusive thoughts is definitely one that comes up um, often. So I'm just sharing that for, and like you were saying, difficulty sleeping because that mind won't stop. Um, right. Uh, you know, as we go through for those listening that, uh, you know, I so appreciate that you're sharing this and and normalizing it and saying it is normal to have these feelings or it could be a possibility that you're experiencing this. And so look out for that. Um, so in that vein, what what like what made you realize, wait, I need help or did somebody come up? Like, how did you navigate this? Honestly, I never like hindsight is always twenty twenty. Everyone around me knew I needed help, uh, but I, you know, in my mind, this was the, just what it was. This was going to be life for the rest of my life. It was just, I, I was going to have this child who I didn't love. Um, I was just going to be unhappy, and that was that. Uh, and really, uh, my midwife had said that, I can prescribe something. You don't even need to drive back here. Let me just talk to you over the phone. And I didn't recognize how bad things really were. 
um, in all honesty. And so for me, it was just time. Uh, when we started planning for my next birth, my midwife and I definitely, I mean, my doula and I definitely talked about immediately getting help. You know, after that two week mark, if I'm still not feeling right, getting help right away, you know, not letting it last a month, two months. For me, um, things started to turn around with with my first baby around six months, um, I started to feel a little bit more like myself. And then I would say by like a year and a half, I definitely felt back to my normal self. And around that year and a half, do you, how were your feelings towards your child? Because you had mentioned that you weren't connected. Yes, I definitely, so, so something also strange happened <laughs> while I was um, in that first year and a half. I worked, I was a chief of staff for a politician and um, I went back to work in November and he actually lost his reelection. So I lost my job. Uh, once the new, uh, it was a mayor, once the new mayor was sworn in, she kept me for a month just to help with her transition. And then uh, I was out of a job. And so I was home. Um, and I do think that actually helped a little bit just with connecting, especially for me, I found I really started to have fun with my baby when she was around eight months old and became a little bit more of a person. So I think we connected more as just like, as strange as it sounds, like kind of friends. I've always, I still kind of struggle identifying myself as like mom. Some women you'll meet and they're like, well, I'm a mom and I'm this and I'm this. And I still don't really truly feel like that. But as time went on, our connection definitely grew strong. And now, you know, I'm totally in love with her, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, like, I did not feel like a mom. It took me years to, oh, that's good I, to hear. No, no. To, it took me like I, it was. Yes, I have a daughter. <laughs> right. <that's laughs> and I, I take care of her and she's awesome and I love her. And but every time she turns around and says, Mom, I'm like, who who the heck are you calling? Who's it? Well, I'm not. A I know, mom. <laughs> yeah. So Mommy, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Years. I mean, I'm talking like five, six years. It still caught me by surprise. Not that I didn't you love her. hope. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally Thank normal. Um, okay. So when did you go back to work initially? Um, so initially I went back. Uh, I was really lucky. I had an amazing, um, the mayor I worked for was an amazing boss and he was a family man. So at two months, he let me just kind of work flexibly. Um, my job was crazy. It was all hours. So I would cover um, certain meetings that, you know, I needed to go to or I'd come in for half a day. And my dad was great. He drove up and he would watch my daughter while I went. And then I would come home. And I officially went back full time at three months. And it was like this, once again, this really strange paradox because I was still not feeling like myself, still totally hating life. I loved my job, though. Um, so I was excited to go back to work and kind of back to normal. But at the same time, I was dreading it and I felt like I was abandoning this really tiny being who needed me. I, I like nothing, nothing could satisfy me. Nothing made me feel good. That's such a it's, conflict that right. like yeah. having to, yeah, no, having to do it all. Right. If you're at work, then yeah. it's cause you're leaving it out. Or if you're at home, it's cause you're leaving your work. Yeah. And I mean, I honestly, I would pick my daughter up and I would be dying to get to her and then I would pick her up and 
then I would hand her off to my husband because I didn't really enjoy being with her, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really want to be away from her. It was, it was just, it was a really hard time in life for sure. Yeah. How old was she when you, when, when you lost your job and were home with her? Yeah. So at that month, at that point, I think she was about, um, five or six months old. So it was, it was around the time where things, I started turning the corner. Um, and I don't know if that's because kind of my work stopped and I was able just to focus on one thing. I really don't think that's it. I think I just, I started to feel like myself again. Um, and I don't attribute that to stopping work. I think hormonally things just started to settle down a little bit. Um, and then, like I said, a a year they were getting better. And by a year and a half, I, I felt like myself. Mm, Okay. So around what time did you guys decide you were going to have another one in comparison? (laughs) What were we thinking? (laughs) I remember like when I was leaving hospital with the first, I said, I am never doing this again. (laughs) This is it. And I always wanted a really big family. And I was like, I'm good. We're going to stop here. And I will, I'm fine. You know, we're never going to have another child, but obviously things kind of returned to status quo. And I started a job. I used to be a teacher and I decided to go back to teaching because it was such a great schedule uh, for being a mom. Um, so I, I got a job right in my little town and my daughter is at a great daycare that I love. Uh, and everything was kind of back to normal. So we decided we definitely want to go for baby number two. Um, and I'm lucky I get pregnant very quickly. Um, so we decided we want to do it. I wanted to time it. So I had maternity leave in the summer. So we waited till that point and then, um, I got pregnant, which was great. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, uh, I, I knew I was going to do it differently this time in terms of preparing for afterbirth, but throughout the whole pregnancy, I was not excited at all. You know, I knew that in the long term, I was going to love this baby and, and we were going to have a lot of fun together, but I fully expected to have that disconnection for the first five or six months. And, you know, I, I kind of thought to myself, like it, since I know I will come out of it. It won't be that bad before I felt like this would be life forever. And, and this time I thought like, even if it happens again, a, I'll get help and B, I know it won't last forever. Fortunately, uh, things turned out differently, but that was my, my mindset while being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, yes. that's such a good point that even though you were dreading it, you were like, well, reframing it of not right, resisting right. the possibility, but going like, okay, what's our plan A and B if this happens again? Definitely. And I definitely, I work with mostly women um, at my school and they were all so excited. I was the first one to have a baby in almost like 20 years at the school. Everyone was really excited. It's the cutest little school. Um, And that's when I kind of mastered the like, yeah, response being everyone Oh, would say like, oh, you must be thrilled for the baby to come. You must be preparing. And my response would be, yeah, even though 
I was not looking forward to the baby coming, but <laughs> it was, I didn't want to get into it. Um, and so I was pregnant and I hired a doula this time, which everyone out there hire a doula. It is the best thing ever. Um, she barely made it to the birth. And even if she hadn't made it, she would have been worth every penny. She was great. Mm-hmm. There's so, so, so we much had, we do ahead of time. Yes. Uh, well, oh. that's what I was about to say. We had uh, two meetings before the birth that lasted a couple hours each. And the first time around, we just rehashed everything that happened um, and told my birth story. And fortunately, she had experience herself when she she has two children um, having struggles after she gave birth to her two children. So I think she could empathize particularly well with my situation. And we came up with a plan. What would it look like if things went downhill? And even if they didn't go downhill, you know, what would postpartum look like with a, a, a that, that she was, my daughter was going to be a little over two and a half and, um, knowing I had postpartum depression, what would we do? So we came up with a plan that sleep would be my first priority. My husband would do everything with the two and a half year old and I would feed baby and sleep pretty much, which I think is a great plan. My doula had also mentioned the fact that uh, when you aren't sleeping and when you have a lot of pain, physical pain, that can be a factor that leads to depression. Yeah. Uh, so we talked a lot about how we're going to address pain immediately. If I hemorrhage again, what would we do differently? Um, and then we also talked about just kind of being selfish, <laughs> to putting myself first, which I, I don't think I did last time. Obviously, you put your baby first, but like also keeping, you know, my well-being in mind. If I want to take a shower and the baby cries for a little bit, the baby cries for a little bit. You know, take the shower. Which, yeah, I so had. I did an episode with Carrie Conti on understand on, on figuring out the baby you have, like understanding your baby, and one of the things she says, and I hate like that's a mantra I've adopted is. It has to be 51% you, 49% the baby. Because oh, that's if neat. you are not available, then you're not avail- the baby, it won't thrive either. Right. And that's definitely what happened in my, I think, the first time around. I, I didn't take care of myself at all. Yeah. So, yeah, be selfish, people. Yeah, do it. That probably sounds so wrong when you're giving birth to a baby, but I, I recommend it. It's a good recommendation. Um, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Sautéed criminy mushrooms seasoned with paprika, garlic, and oregano tossed with orzo pasta and kalamata olives piled into roasted bell peppers topped with tofu feta with a side of roasted zucchini currants and kale salad. Or how about roasted garbanzo beans with aromatic spices over a refreshing cucumber, bell pepper, and tomato salad, along with a satar tahini sauce and toasted pita slices. Or crispy tamari marinated tofu seasoned with paprika, red pepper, thyme, and oregano over Cajun seasoned rice with kidney beans and corn, along with a shard bell pepper and squash salad with a currant vinaigrette. Are you drooling yet? Those were the three delicious meals we recently devoured from Green Chef's vegan menu. And I gotta say, my favorite part was hearing my daughter say in a surprise tone, This is really good, Mommy, as she gobbled up a plate of vegetables. 
Plus, I didn't have too many planned, grocery shopped, and part of the meal was already prepped for me, including pre-made sauces, dressings, and mixed spices. Ta-da! Green Chef is a USDA-certified organic company with many different meal plan options that include paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, and carnivore. We always get the vegan plan, but you can easily switch up your meal plan as it strikes your fancy and upcoming menus are posted on the website several weeks in advance so you can get a heads up and know what you want. As you heard from the meals we made, Green Chef has a diverse array of recipes that range from global cuisines to classic comfort foods with a signature touch, so you're not eating the same thing week after week. One of my favorite things about Green Chef is the flavors from their pre-made sauces and spice mixes. That's definitely some gourmet level that I could not whip out on my own. Frankly, Green Chef is a fabulous addition to any postpartum plan or just anybody who wants to have some some very decent meals without having to overthink it. Solve your dinner problems by getting a wide variety of organic ingredients along with the quick and easy recipes to turn them into delicious meals delivered right to your door. And to make this deliciousness even more enticing for birthful listeners, get $50 off your first box for Green Chef when you go to greenchef.us slash birthful. Note that that was not .com but rather .us. So greenchef.us slash birthful for $50 off your first box of Green Chef. And we're back. So Julia, you were telling us about some of the work you did with your doula ahead of time to help you plan for the birth and also the immediate postpartum. What are some other things that you guys did? So with the doula, we made um, a birth plan. I did hypno babies this time around. Last time I just felt like I was really ill prepared for the actual labor part. Uh, so I did hypno babies, which also helped kind of relax me as when you're pregnant, you can't sleep at night or I couldn't. So it helped me fall asleep when I was in my third trimester. Um, I did a lot of research on factors that can, uh, contribute to postpartum depression. And I think what I'm going to say is, is really hotly debated. And I totally recognize that to me, I, I wanted to give birth without um, using any type of drugs. I didn't want um, an epidural. I didn't want Pitocin, as you know, most women don't want Pitocin. But um, just because I had read, and there are studies that go both ways, you know, that having drugs when you're giving birth can mess with your hormones a little bit. Um, other studies say it has no effect. But for me, I decided that's what was right. Um, for, for my body and my well-being. Well, you're the one uh, doing the work anyway, so. Right. <laughs> yeah, good for you. You decide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's my choice. Um, I obviously hired a doula and I started taking um, omega-3 fatty acids, which are, you know, I think the studies are pretty mixed on that too, but they say that sometimes omega-3 fatty acids and DHA can help reduce postpartum depression. Um, I started taking that before giving birth and I still uh, take them today. So I don't know if that helped or not, but um, and the other, the other kind of hiccup we had was a provider. Like I said, I live in a rural area and, um, I couldn't feasibly drive again over an hour to the midwife. So I delivered with obstetricians and, um, they were obviously amazing obstetricians. The practice I was at was kind of a shock to me. They were much different than the midwives, really medical, 
um, always kind of worst case scenarios. And, um, so I felt like I had to be really prepared for birth and definitely my duo played a good role in that. Yeah. And I want to like mention quickly there about the different types of approaches to birth and, and why it's so different and no, no be in midwifery. And it's not exclusive to that. It's not like, Oh, cause of bees right. and midwives. Right. But it's just, there's the midwifery model of care. Then I know a lot of OBs and family doctors that follow the midwifery model of care. And then there's the more traditionally medical managed model of care. And it, it is, like you're saying, the way they approach the the meetings, the how long they take, like everything mm-hmm. is very different. D- uh, yes, so different. Even my husband was like, the midwives used to ask how I was doing. These doctors just ignore me. Uh, I did find <laughs> one uh, doctor in the practice who was trained by midwives. She was new to the practice and she was amazing, but the chances that I would have her at delivery were pretty slim because they just rotate on call doctors. And I did not end up having her, uh, but that's, that's okay. Yeah. I have an episode that I'll link on the show notes with uh, Robbie Davis Floyd on the different models of care. And then there's like the technocratic and the holistic and the. Yes. I listened to that. That was was definitely interesting. Uh, So uh, my water broke. Um, and I never went into labor. Uh, I'm really stubborn. So, um, it was two days, my water was broken and I still wasn't in labor. And I spoke with the doctor who I really trusted, who was trained by the midwives. And she had said like, your risk of infection is really starting to rise. You know, I really want you to come in. Uh, so I did, and I ended up having to have Pitocin, <laughs> um, which was fine. And the birth was really quick. Uh, Once I went into labor, my daughter was born two hours later. So it was, once again, it was intense and fast, but I think I was a little bit more prepared for it this time around. Before starting the Pitocin, I had mentioned earlier that I made a friend of the woman who had come to my house that first day I was home with my daughter, the lactation consultant. And oddly enough, she was on the floor um, getting material together. She teaches the prenatal classes at the hospital and she saw my name on the board and she came in and checked on me. And I just had this like huge breakdown to her being like, I really don't want this baby, you know, things, it's going to be horrible again. And and she was like, you're going to do it. This is fine. I'm going to be there for you. You have your village. Like it will be totally different. And I've heard too on different podcasts that right before you give birth, sometimes you do have this like massive emotional breakdown, which happened to me. Very common. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the baby was born. She was born two hours later at two in the morning and everything. I I didn't get the doctor I wanted, but the doctor barely got there. I mean, the baby was coming out. My doula said she was ready to catch her. Uh, so I had another girl. It was a surprise and, uh, um, she was great. She, everything was fine. She was placed right on my chest and I was great. Nothing went wrong. Uh, and the atmosphere was just from the start, so much lighter. I still wouldn't describe that moment as one of the best moments in my life. And I wouldn't say that, you know, I was immediately in love with her. I just don't think that's my personality. Um, but 
it was really exciting and I was excited to hold her and see her and pass her off and kind of see how much she weighed. And it was just, it was a lot more fun this time around, um, which was great. And I stayed at the hospital for two days and everything just seemed so relaxing. My husband and I couldn't get over it. We kept commenting on like, how easy this seemed and how it was kind of nice to have some time away from my very demanding three-year-old. <laughs> we were like, oh, we're on a little vacation. And she just slept most of the time until that second night when they stay awake the whole night. Uh, but it was really, it was so different. And, and I do feel like there's nothing good about postpartum depression, but definitely the one positive thing it did for me is it, it made me appreciate feeling good. Mm. And I don't, I don't know how else to word that. And maybe women who have experienced postpartum depression can relate to that. Um, but it made me feel like so happy just to feel like myself. Oh, and, and with all that dread, like all the anxiety that you had been building ahead of time, like you've spent months dreading this moment. Right. And then it was there. And it was fine. And she breastfed. Um, my The head, the director of the organization, um, the nursing organization, I've, I've since joined the board since my first birth. So we've become close. And she came just for a social visit, but she helped a little bit um, with the latch. She said it looked great. And it definitely still hurt a little. I wouldn't say I'm one of those moms that can you know get the latch perfectly in the beginning, but she was good. Her latch was great. And breastfeeding was a lot easier. Um, so I was not in pain, which was really nice. I just, I just kind of felt like myself, which was awesome. We did have an interesting going home story, but it didn't affect my mood at all. There was a snowstorm. Um, my house lost power. The, the, when I was supposed to be discharged, my daughter and my dad and my husband had the flu. So I was kind of on my own. And that would have been like a nightmare last time around. But this time around, I was kind of like, okay, like I can do this. That's fine. I'll sit on the couch and I can help take care of other people. And, and we were all fine. It was good. Oh, that sounds definitely night and day from It was. Past. Now, I as you were talking about your... Um, during, you know, that you were in labor for two days and your, well, no, your water had broken for two days and labor hadn't come. Right. Do you right. think, and this is just me wondering, like one, like really just being curious to what your opinion is in this. Do you think because birth is such a holistic mind body thing that you were maybe trying to hold it back just because of the dread or is that just yeah. not really? No, I can, like... I can totally see that being the case. I definitely think there's a really strong mind-body connection that we're not always aware of, um, how our state of mind can really control our body physically. And having that mental breakdown to uh, my friend, and then even though I was on a Pitocin drip, it was, re I made them start really small because I was kind of a neurotic patient. I was probably every nurse's worst nightmare, <laughs> but they had started a really small, small amount. And, you know, once I had that kind of 
outpouring of emotion. I really, I went into labor and she was born two hours later. So that, that could have been it. Definitely. There was nothing impeding, um, the birth process. I was already three centimeters dilated and baby was in good position. So that could have been it. Yeah. And I mean, I just wonder, right. There's no way to tell, but it's one of those things that I always, when we don't have answers of the body, I look to see if there's answers of the mind because usually so and i'll link to the show notes the statistics are that like with your water breaks and you haven't and, and it's you're not in labor usually within 24 hours 90 percent of women go into labor huh that, that could, totally could have been it the obstetrician who i really trusted said after 24 hours she's like put on your breath pump from your last baby and she told me I forget but she gave me direction on how to timing to pump and she was like and you'll start feeling contractions and and I felt nothing not even like a twinge so that that definitely could have been it Hmm. and and the fact that you had like that outpouring of emotion and crying afterwards which is releases so much hormones and you know the the oxytocin and which you need right Right. Yeah. It's, I think the mind and the body is connected much more than anyone really gives it credit. We'll never know, but we'll put it on the, that shelf of like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So all in all, the second time it was just, it was night and day. I didn't expect it. And And the transition from one to two, everybody said to me, you know, one plus one does not equal two. And so I was ready for just kind of chaos. And for me, the transition from one to two was like really easy. Throw one more in the mix. And part of me thinks that's because I struggled so much with number one that having number two and just feeling good was so easy. Um, it, it really was, it was really easy. And my daughter's definitely her tantrums. The three-year-old's tantrums have gotten worse, <laughs> but other than that, she's just Charlie's along for the ride. I, I did a lot more baby wearing this time around, which I think also helped. And I just strap her on and life goes on. Yeah. And I am so glad that you had these two experiences to compare and contrast. And, and, and yes. like, I'm not glad that you had, by any means, not glad that you no, had this. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Um, but yeah, that, that the second one was sort of redeeming. Um, yes. And so in terms of the second one, what, that was without mood disorder, what um, was most surprising to you? What was most difficult for the, I think what was most surprising was that newborns can be enjoyable, um, that they can seem cute, that they can be fun. I still have a lot of uh, guilt about, you know, I, everything seemed forced with my first daughter. I can sit and I can smile and laugh with um, Charlie and I never really did that with Alex. Um, and I do feel guilty about that a little bit. I know that's silly, but it's just how I feel. Um, so I think what was surprising was that like newbornhood is, is really fun. I mean, you're tired, it's, you're sleep deprived, but, um, that too shall pass. And it was, it was really nice just enjoying a 
newborn. Um, I think it, it was hard dealing, you know, with my three year old's emotions. I never was worried about not loving them both. I think that's because I was worried about you know, going into depression again, but it was a little bit tricky, you know, carving out time just for her. Um, Charlie won't take a bottle which has been interesting because I've been back to work um, and she won't um, take a pacifier and she has a little bit of colic. So that's hard when she needs me all the time. And obviously my three-year-old wants me. That's been difficult. Oh, for sure. So are you still like still being selfish, please? Uh, I definitely was selfish in the beginning. Now, um, not as much, but I'm a teacher. So maybe during the summer yeah. <laughs> I'll return to myself. I do have a gift certificate for a massage, so I should go do that. Yeah, nice. 51%, 49%, Julia. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my story. Um, I do have some advice for moms going through postpartum depression that I wish somebody had told me. Um, I think, like, if you're still feeling pretty terrible after the first two weeks, like, get help. Um, and that's so easy to say, and I'm in such a rational state of mind now that it's easy for me to tell people like, go get help. But I, I wish I did. It would have made my life so much better, whether that's, you know, talking to a counselor or getting medicine, whatever that looks like, it's, you know, it's not worth living your life. So, you know, it's such a terrible place. And let's understand that this was not something that you could control, that it really was, it just happened an onset from boom, she, you gave birth and there it was, you weren't feeling yourself. And that, you know, mental issues are like diseases like if you were sick if if it was that suddenly you had a horrible pain that could be your appendix you would not just hang around you would go to the doctor right <laughs> right exactly same exactly. thing with mental stuff that's what we should do so let's destigmatize de it right i i completely agree i haven't i've never had depression before i am like the most steady personality i'm not really emotional at all and this happened and I, ha I truly have a whole new empathy for people who go through life suffering depression. I, I don't know how anyone does it. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's take a moment. Right. Yes. Um, what other advice do you think you have, not just for people who might be experiencing mood, mood disorders, but just for new moms? Yeah, I think... Um, I think for what bothered me, and I think it would have bothered me even if I didn't have postpartum depression was, you know, everyone's trying to give you advice and words of wisdom. And, and now I realize everybody's just doing out of the goodness of their heart. So, you know, I wish I had taken that with a grain of salt. I used to get really frustrated with people, but everybody's just trying to help. Um, even if it is frustrating, <laughs> even if it does seem intrusive. As I'm asking you to give advice. Like, what else? <laughs> I know, right? Let me tell you all what to do. Um, but, you know, I, I think for, I don't know if I can give advice for new moms because I, I don't ever feel like I really went through that classic new mom experience. Um, so I really didn't. Let's rephrase that and say, what are a couple of things that were really, really helpful to you? Uh, 
breastfeeding support. If you are planning on breastfeeding, find support before you give birth. Breastfeeding, I don't think is easy for anyone I have met. I'm now on the board of, um, of Berkshire Nursing Families, which is the organization I had talked about. And I go to a lot of fundraisers and I talk to a lot of women and I have yet to meet somebody who said, oh, it was a breeze. It was so easy. And it was so great from the beginning. Uh, I'm sure there are women out there like that, but I have yet to meet one. So if you're planning on breastfeeding, figure out, you know, your La Leche League, um, whatever that looks like. That would be number one. Number two would be, um, all babies really need our pajamas and diapers. <laughs> you know, like I feel like I had all the gear and all these clothes and, and that what I've learned is like babies really don't need anything. Get a good carrier, get PJs, get diapers and they'll be fine. Mm. Yes. <laughs> so much. <laughs> but I think what I would like to say in terms of that is we, there's so much out there for like if you go into a, a big box store it's overwhelming the amount of mm. gear and things to quote unquote solve your issues with your baby or make your life easier and some of them do make your life easier like the carriers for sure yeah, yeah. but in general i think that distracts us from and, and, and kind of gives the false sense of hope that if I have all the things, then I've, I'm going to have it. I mean, I've got it, you know, like I've yeah, got this because totally. I've got all the things. And I think people would really be, I know people benefit more from taking like half of that money and spending it in some like saving up for breastfeeding or a postpartum doula or mm -hmm. taking a postpartum preparation class. Like <laughs> it doesn't right. have to my, be mine. Um, it yeah. doesn't have to be mine. <laughs> my friend lives in New York city and she was saying it's $200 for, you know, a one-on-one -on -one lactation visit. So, you know, if you are somewhere where it's that expensive, ask for that at your baby shower. Um, you know, I think you're right. We do get a ton of gear and we totally, or at least I found a lot of it was useless. My daughters both, they won't use a swing. They just want to be carried. Yeah, and it's but, so impossible to know what they're going to want until right. afterwards. And then after exactly. you already have this stuff. I know. And I think the last thing I would say is like accept anyone who offers to bring a meal. Um, for both children, we had people dropping off meals, and that is just like a game changer. At least for me, it was amazing. Yes, yes. And if you are it like another good thing there is if you're in your last few weeks, start double batching mm. when you cook and freeze and have like, yeah, I think nutrition yes. and sleep yes. that you mentioned before and help. Those are yes. like the three pillars of a good postpartum. Yeah, totally. Completely. Yes. You, you, well, you're the expert, you know, but eating right makes like a complete difference. And, and even though if you're breastfeeding or I, I haven't formula fed, but I assume it's the same, you have no hands cause you're trying to figure out how everything works with feeding the baby. Um, so I found like smoothies are really helpful putting in Greek yogurt, that high in protein and, and at least you can sip on it while you're trying to figure everything else out. Yeah, I love that idea. I love the idea of like one-handed snacks as well that don't need to be <laughs> yeah. like heck, warmed up or that you can eat room temperature like a banana or a granola right. bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, that's so good. Um, do you have, can you repeat the name of the organization that you're on the board of? And we will put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. So it's called uh, Berkshire Nursing Families. And it actually, it's not just for um, nursing moms. It provides um, also like early childhood play groups and, and information for moms. Um, it also has a teen to 23 program. Um, and even if I live in, uh, Massachusetts in the Berkshires, which is kind of this, like it's at the very, very Western point. I'm, I'm run into New York state. That's how close I am. But, um, even if you're not in the Berkshires and you need help, they still, if you want to call, they'll, they'll help anyone. They're amazing women who donate so much of their life and, and don't get paid nearly enough for all they do. Hmm. That is, so if you, uh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, if you sorry. link to them, um, if you link to their website and I can send you the link, then anyone needing resources or who wants to call um, can definitely reach out. Absolutely. I'll link to it. And and also, since you mentioned it, you know that you were in a small community and didn't necessarily have a lot of breastfeeding resources, but then you did. Um, for yeah. Other, oh, my gosh. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. For other for other pregnant people who are out there and may not have a lactation consultant close by or even a doula close by, like this is the time of ultra technology. Let's get creative. Mm. Don't think because somebody's not near you that you can't have that support. Don't rule it out. I know lactation consultants who will do Skype calls, who yeah. will, you know, and even doulas who will do some sort of long distance support. Mm -hmm. um, and it like, if you are struggling breastfeeding, get help. Um, I, I cannot stress that enough. Get help. You, it will make a world of difference. If your toes are curling every time your baby is latching, call someone, try to like watch a YouTube video. There's a lot of great lactation consultants who have, you know, support on YouTube. Just it's easier if you can talk to someone in person or over Skype because they could see the latch, but it's not normal if it's painful every time to breastfeed. Oh my goodness. It should not hurt. Full stop. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And if it does, then something's up, especially if your nipples are like, come go in one way and come out with a different shape. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like the lipstick tube shape. That is not, that's not good. Yeah. I had that. All right. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Julia, thank you so, so much for being on the show and sharing your stories and being so candid about your experience. I truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And uh, I love, like I said, I love your podcast and you've been such a help. Mighty Ones, check out the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com where you can see pictures of Julia and her girls and also learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful, so come say hi. And if you're in the last few months of pregnancy and feeling unprepared for what's to come, then go sign up for my Thread With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation classes at birthfulcourses.com. Let's get you postpartum ready. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful Megan Othling and the people at Green Chef and Expectful. For $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us slash birthful and go to expectful.com slash birthful to get a free one-month trial.
The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Also, the Birthful Podcast is part of the Parents on Demand Network. Find out more at parentsondemand.com. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me Wednesday when I'll be talking to a new birth professional to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.